We are back with another episode of the Do As I Say, Not As I Did podcast. And the name explains the whole premise. We're giving you advice about what you should do in your challenges and situations in business because we made those mistakes, so don't do what we did. Uh, each week, I'm bringing on different founders or product experts, technology futurists, sales gurus, just very smart people who know how to build great businesses. And together, me and that very smart person are going to answer the questions that you're sending in about what's going on in your lives and in your businesses. So if you do have questions that you want us to talk about or, or to workshop or to laugh at, um, send them through to uh, podcast at joeldetrapani.com. I know it's uh, we're five or six episodes in. It's still hard to spell. I'm still putting it in the show notes. Uh, I'm your host, Joel Detrapani. <laughs> still like that one at least. Um, I, I'm your host. Uh, I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Vigo, which is an edtech scale-up that we've grown through Australia and the UK. And now we're focused on the US. Um, on top of that, I'm actually an advisor and coach in the product space where I help startups and businesses learn how to actually run great product teams and subsequently build great products. And today, uh, I'm super excited to be joined by Suf Patel, who is just really fucking good at product. Um, Suf runs a truly end-to-end agency for health businesses where he's continually creating incredible products that really help people. On top of this, he's currently working as the product lead at my scale-up, Vigo, uh, and is continually challenging me and my business to build a better product. We debate a lot, we argue a lot, and I leave every conversation smarter because of that. Previously, Suf has also built out the entire product org for Movember from scratch. Movember is one of the coolest charities I know uh, in the world and, and it's supporting men's health. So I would recommend checking out Movember too. Suf is uh, a super fun guy. He's one of my friends. I'm super excited to have him on the show. And he is an expert at building products and wrangling product teams. He truly is a master of urgency, which I love. So let's jump into it. Welcome, Suf. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Excited to be here. Well, uh, look, before we jump into the to the Reddit posts and the audience emails, can you tell us a little bit more about Orbit? Yeah, so Orbit is a, as you said, an end-to-end um, digital health consultancy. So we work with nonprofits, health tech companies um, to really supercharge their product function, their delivery engine, um, and just making sure that they're building things that people really want and need and really have an impact um, in the health tech space, there are some really specific challenges uh, around impact and measuring impact. It's very different to revenue. You know, at Vigo, we're always thinking about how much money we're making. In health tech, it's, you know, how, how much of a difference are we having? They're still looking at revenue, but they're also looking at impact on people's lives. So specific challenges, um, and we have specific tools to help with those specific challenges. So super exciting um, stuff. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, let's jump into the questions today. Interrupting today's conversation because I have a PSA. Again, the podcast is officially partnered with Miro. You know, I talk quickly, so let's say that really slowly. Miro, M-I-R-O, the online virtual collaboration tool that I'm personally obsessed with. Miro helps you shorten your time to launch so that your customers get what they need faster. With Miro, you only need one tool to see your vision come to life, whether that's through the planning, researching, brainstorming, designing, feedback cycles, everything you need to do, it all happens across all of your teams in Miro. So you can hop into a board, check progress, leave feedback, really just contribute anything at any time. This speeds up your inputs, which actually means it speeds up your outcomes. So not only do I want you to get Miro, your team and your customers want you to get Miro too. I'm actually a huge Miro fanboy myself, and just this week I've been playing around with their AI tools a lot. 
When I create a board, as you can probably guess, it's just a random mess of notes and integrations and just, you know, inconsistent thoughts and ideas going into one place. Um, and this used to mean it would take me a long time to make sense of it and get into, an, into a position where I could share it with the rest of my team. But now Miro gave me this button and built in this AI tool that makes sense of everything for me. So I click this one button, it organizes my boards into different categories, it gives me summaries. It just makes it look like a sane person created it with intention. Um, so this saves me a whole lot of time and, and I love what this actually does for me, but more importantly, I love that I can bring my team along you know, in a whole lot more of a meaningful way and save a whole lot of time together. And look, most of you are already entrepreneurs and you live in a startup world, so that means you probably already have Miro. But if you don't, you need Miro. It will make your business better and it will make your life better and any project you're trying to do better along the way. And you get your first three Miro boards free whenever you sign up. So sign up today at miro.com slash podcast. And because I speak quickly, I'm going to spell that one out. M-I-R-O dot com slash podcast. And look, let's jump back into the questions today. Question number one is called mentor stealing my idea i'm a junior dev who recently made friends with a senior dev i pitched him this idea for an app and he's been giving me advice since day one i'm close to finishing the prototype and during that i did some market testing and managed to get quite a few b2b leads ready thereby validating the idea first up good job validating the idea i invited him to i invited him before to help me out but he hasn't really contributed any code so far more on the advice side but after the whole thing got semi-validated, he suddenly got much more interested. And here's the thing, he's asking if we can build separately the app, each with our own code base. He wants me to write the scope out, then we build in parallel, uh, and then whoever gets to the finish line first launches. I don't understand. Wouldn't it make more sense to build together in one code base? He started getting like this when I secured quite a few leads from the landing page that I marketed. Prior to this new arrangement, he's proposing that he said he wanted to invite a few of his colleagues and create a separate backend repo for the app. So I don't know, why would he want to create this own backend for the app when I already have my own right now? What do you think? From Wheelmon. That's an odd one. That is, that's such a specific set of problems and a, such a specific question, Joel. Honestly, I don't even know where we get started. That, that is, it's kind of blowing my mind to be honest. <laughs> So, so just to recap, he has a business idea. He's validated the business idea, which sounds great. He's had a, a landing page that he's put up. And now someone that he's been getting advice from wants to launch the exact same app in market. <laughs> and, and whoever goes to market first is the winner. Um, <laughs> is the, the problem, right? <laughs> That's, that is the problem, right? Yeah, that's my understanding of it. All right. Uh, look, I, I think first off, um, you know, great. This this guy sounds like he's made great progress, right? Like it's so hard to build and validate something in your spare time. Um, I don't know if this person is a first time founder or not, but usually you just go straight into build as a first time founder. So it's great that this person has validated in some way the business idea. I'm always uh, slightly hesitant when someone says they've validated a business idea before they've launched a product. It's become too easy to put up landing pages and people, you know, people will sign up for any crap nowadays um, until someone actually pays for what you're, for, for what you're building, either in attention or in money. Um, you've, you've, you've only de-risked 
your business idea. You haven't fully validated it. You haven't found product market fit yet. Um, but So I think at that stage, it's a really good idea to share your idea. One thing I've definitely seen, and I've made this mistake in previous startups, is you kind of hold an idea really close to you because you're worried that someone's going to steal it. And I've worked with investors and advisors who won't even sign an NDA because they're saying, your idea isn't special, it's the execution that matters. That's what's really going to make uh, give you a competitive difference. Um, and everyone's got a, you know, everyone's got a startup idea. I, I remember once I had a guy fixing my radiators and he was pitching me an idea on, you know, like how he needs to scale his radiator fixing business and how we need to make an app for it. Um, so I think kind of, <laughs> I think it sounds like this guy's made really good progress. Um, why this person really wants to, like, I don't think it's a good idea. What this other, like straight to the, the, the point, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't know what sort of um, agreement they've got in place. Um, yeah, what do, what do you think? Your mentor is a dog, Weemon. Like, <laughs> that is, that's so bad. Like, I, and this I'm is still trying to, I, I rant about this on the podcast quite a bit, but I fucking hate people taking advantage in startups. And this guy is absolutely taking advantage of you. You know, he was there and he was doing a little bits and pieces to, to help you with advice and good that people should mentor. But now he's just straight up stealing your idea. And that is not what the startup ecosystem is about. So, him you know i guess first of all congrats on validating like doing anything yeah. to validate your idea before and as you build is really important and you you should continue to invest in that and it sounds like yeah. you you understand it so like that is amazing because most people don't do that most people build everything with an idea really close to their chest like you said Sof, and they they've never they've never even put up a landing page like even though it's easy like you should do it more so that's awesome and you validate it to such a point where now people around you are like, you know, circling because they want to steal your ideas and just being sharks. So, yeah, I think like just get a better mentor. Like just tell this guy that it's your idea and you're not helping but him at all. You're not going to write a scope for him. You're not sharing this validation with him. Just cut it off. I, I guess maybe have a conversation with him and understand and, and come to some agreement where he's not going to steal your idea, but he's just straight up stealing your idea and I don't care what he says. Like, there's not much that I, that would make me trust this person again because you just see too much happen in the space. Jo Joel, just, I guess on the flip side, maybe he's trying to help. Uh, you, you know, you don't know what's... Um, maybe I see the good in people um, and, and you don't clearly. <laughs> I want to agree with you. He may just be straight up stealing the idea. Um, but maybe he's actually saying, let's have a race. And if I build it first, it's still yours. I don't know. May maybe that seems like a weird thing to do. Yes. <laughs> Rationalize it. So it's it's not 100%. Maybe he's saying, oh, like, I build it, you build it. Whoever builds it first wins this weird race that we're doing. And, and that like, person's, and you still have the business. Maybe he's just trying to kind of... Some healthy competition. Uh, How are we going to do conversation first, like you said? If that's yep. if that's true, it's a dumb idea. Like <laughs> it's still a dumb idea. Yes. Compared to the tension and to build different elements of the platform. Like, hey, I'm going to focus on XYZ and you focus on ABC, and let's see who gets there first. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. It's it just doesn't. There's just like no way I can see it being good. I understand, you know, 
having little projects on the side where you want to sharpen your skills and see who can do it better. But like there is a validated business idea that this mentor had didn't want anything to do with really at the beginning. Like hadn't, yeah. you know, touched the tools at all. And now that it's seemingly validated, this mentor is like, well, I'm going to take it for me. Like he says in the question that he wanted to bring a few of his friends and colleagues in to create a different backend. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not even fair then. Whoever gets there first, like you're building a team now. <laughs> but, but you know, one of the things, and again, I'm, these are the conversations we have and I'm just counteracting, but you know, one of the, one of the, the things that you have to be able to do as a, as a founder um, or a leader in a business is steer people towards kind of the area that you want them to go. So potentially you get him on board and you get all of these other people on board and they start building your business idea with you as opposed to building a separate one. So that's the challenge, I guess, yeah, I, would, I would hit Walmo back with is can you actually <laughs> get this guy on the same page as he's building with you versus you, I guess, um, and, and actually use all these people to just build it much faster than you would have otherwise been able to build it and kind of accelerate your time to market. Maybe that's a solution. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think a conversation is critical and you need to sit down and you just need to say, this is sus. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's if you believe in this idea, which it seems like you do, because it looks like you're trying to steal it. Uh, <laughs> this together. Because like, do you want to be a part of this? And then work out, is this person a co-founder or you know do they do you want to give them some kind of equity as an advisor or, or whatever they can do but it would just be very personally i would be so hesitant because it's so strange and you know there is you're right so there's so many different elements that could be coming into play here that we don't understand we've just got the context that's here but from all the information i have i would be i'd be very suspicious because it feels like this guy is trying to steal the idea and then that's not someone that I would want to become a co-founder with if that's how I started the relationship with them. Yeah, definitely not. That's, that's not a good place to, to start from. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up with a final judgment. So if what's, the, what's the final advice we want to give Wheelmon? Look, I'm going to say, I think you need to cut all access, have the conversation. As Joel said, tell him it sounds like you're trying to steal my idea and then say, look, well, let's just walk away. Um, so for me it's a it's a no-go yeah cut it all right wilmon get another mentor if you want someone to run ideas by hit up Sylph and i because <laughs> we, we can we can we've got our own businesses we're not going to steal yours and we're, and we're happy to kind of talk it through and give you any advice we can well well joel you know who knows we might we might steal the idea if it's great <laughs> I'm how validated is this idea actually <laughs> we won't steal the idea <laughs> all right um, we'll move on to question two this question is called, fix my bad product strategy. Now, I actually brought this question on today, Sylph, because this is a this is an argument I feel like we actually have quite a bit. So I'm keen to kind of see where um, we land on, on it today. It's not exactly, but it's kind of similar to a space we discuss a lot. I recently started working in a startup, venture-backed, seed stage, 10 employees. For privacy reasons, I will give a representative example of what we are developing, but not the real information. We're building two things. Number one, a software for inventory management. And two, an e-commerce platform where people can buy and sell their products. These two platforms are complementary, as in if we are in e-commerce, we know exactly what to expect from an inventory management tool. And therefore, that is helping us to build a better inventory tool. We are also selling the tool to B2B customers and open to the e we're also open to e-commerce 
to the user market as well. My opinion is that it does not make sense to build these two platforms at the same time, since I believe neither of them will be extraordinary and they may just end up being mediocre, mainly because of lack of focus. However, the whole rest of the team believes that this is what makes the company unique. On top of that, we are building for different geographical markets, different languages, regulations at the same time. The argument being we need to expand as fast as possible and become profitable. We still don't have anything properly built yet, nothing that a week of hacking could not achieve. What do you guys think is the best strategy here? Buy? This is my favorite name I've had. Groundbreaking Dog 47. <laughs> All right. Where do you sell that one, sir? There's a, there's, there's a lot in that one, to be honest. Um, it's it's tricky, right? They're, they're, did you say they're pre-seed or seed? Well, it says they have seed stage funding think? and they have a team of 10 people. funding. Anything yet? 10 people. So not many people um, have, you know, we don't know if they've, if they've sold anything yet. Um, so I guess it's tricky to kind of think about think about it from that lens i think we've got to assume they haven't because because okay you know they have couldn't have sold anything yeah look my initial reaction is you definitely need to focus um it's it's way too early to start to think about expanding your product offering you've really got to kind of get into a space whereby you're building for a target market that you understand um and you're building enough of a vertical that you can actually sell that into a business and into organizations. Um, I've seen way too many startups try to, they may even just have one product actually, but they're trying to go after too many different types of businesses. So, um, you know, too many different types of industries. It's, you know, Discord and Slack always come top of mind to me. If you think about the product, they're nearly the same, but their product strategies, their selling propositions are so different. They're completely different user bases. But if you get the products next door to each other, they look nearly the same. They act nearly the same. They have nearly the same feature set. Um, so I think understanding your market, understanding what makes you unique in that market, um, and then just focusing on that. And I think, you know, again, I've made this mistake in the past. As a startup, it's so it's so sexy to pivot all the time, right? Something's difficult. It's like, oh, let's just pivot towards inventory management. Oh, inventory management's not working. Let's just pivot to the next thing. And you think you're going to pivot your way to success. But, you know, going back to what I said in the last one, sometimes it's just about execution. So for me, Joel, and I'm sure we've talked about this at Vigo, I know we have, it's just about keeping your head down and getting some shit done, some meaningful shit that people are going to use um, and therefore buy. It's simple. Yeah. People vote with their dollars. So, you know, that, that's why I think you're bringing up at the beginning, like, have they sold? Because that's why you need to narrow in on. I, I, I guess first up is that I do understand why those two products sound complementary. Like, I like that idea. You've got an e-commerce platform and the inventory tool, they kind of come together and that would make one great overarching platform. But both of those tools are difficult to get right and they are separate tools. So you need to get one right first, but that doesn't mean you have to change your product vision. Keep the product vision the same, is that you wanna have you know, this ecosystem of e-commerce tooling that works complementary with one another. The inventory is part of the e-commerce tool and the e-commerce tool is part of the inventory tool, so both can upsell to one another. I like that as being a product vision, but do one of them well and start to actually learn because they said that when you own the e-commerce platform, you understand what you need from an inventory management system. 
Well, if you don't have a good e-commerce platform, you don't understand what you need from an inventory management system because you don't have the, the information. So, so maybe start with that one. Get it going. Get some customers. At least start with the basics. I understand, kind of start to understand and see where the inventory management system actually has that overlap and start there. I would, I would also say really understand who's going to buy this and focus on that person. And, and that's a conversation we have all the time, Sof. It's like, who was who the customer here? And yeah. understand who that customer is and build specifically for them. Like there's one really troubling thing that I read in here, which, which is going to just cause challenges, which is that they said that they're selling B2B, but they're also open selling straight to consumer. <laughs> one of those won't work. I don't know which one, but that's yep. one of those. Get one really good. Yeah, and I guess thinking about the specific software that they're building, e-commerce and inventory management, there's a lot of that out there, right? So what sort of looking at the market has, you know, if you've got some seed funding, you will have done some due diligence on the market. So for me, it's understanding what allowed you to unlock that seed funding to, to then narrow in on that, on that space. Because if you think about it's, you know, there's so much money in e-commerce and inventory management. Like look at Shopify as a, as a prime example. Um, and that's, you know, B2B. I want to understand from this business, you know, if I was an advisor, what is making you unique? What is different that you were doing? And double down on that. Because otherwise, you're going to get caught up in the sea of competing against, you know, Shopify and these really big players. So I think if you're new to the market, I think you really need to understand what makes you just slightly different. Or, you know, are you, t- are you targeting, as I said, a completely different business type? So, you know, if, if Shopify is going after this type of business, are you going after a, a, a very different type of business and therefore you can narrow down your sales proposition and your sales focus to that audience group that maybe don't like Shopify? And then it's about understanding why they don't and why they would use what you have instead. Um, so I think, yeah, the the software is also a bit of a flag for me because it's such a big space, right, with, you know, billions and billions of dollars in terms of market cap. So, yeah, interesting one. Yeah, so, so keep your product vision the same. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, ha- Have these tools that complement each other. But you can't build all of that from day one. You have a finite amount of resources. You have 10 people in your entire team. You need to get really clear on the staging. You know, And that's, what, that's where the strategy needs to get better. You need to understand where do you need to start? Is it, is it a plug-in to Spotify? Is that how you're going to really validate this? Or, or is it the, do you need to build your own e-commerce because it is so unique that it, it will be different? So... You need to understand about who you're selling to, what is very important to them, what are they willing to buy, and, and just start step by step and follow the money there, follow the opportunity there, see who your, your client is. And don't build for everyone, you know? Don't do all these different languages, don't focus on different regions, just start on a, on a very clear niche. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, what's our final judgment here, Sof? So let's, uh, let's bring this back to, to a clear point. I think this this one's simple. Just really focus on your niche, understand your market, understand your competitors, what makes you unique, and and really have a clear proposition. Um, and you know, I think as you said, right, have some level of timeline there that says we're actually going to make our first sale by X date because that really, as you said, urgency. Um, that really is going to bring some urgency to the work that you're doing, and you will then need to start making some kind of trade off calls. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, that person has been advised. Um, good job, groundbreaking dog. Also, groundbreaking dog, get your founders to reach out to me and tell me how they raised a seed funding without having a single piece of product built because that's insane. All right. Well, I think we've got time for one more. So we'll jump into one last question for today. This, uh, this question is called, we have no product strategy. About two years ago, our startup was founded. We started focusing on B2B end users. And recently, we pivoted to become even more focused on our tech, licensing our tech to other companies that focus on the end user. This means no more fancy front ends, but building back ends, deploying models, and selling APIs only. We're very market focused. We want to know their problems top to bottom. So talking to potential customers is everyone's responsibility. And we are really focused on the market's needs. However, this is also giving us many different inputs, resulting in a lot of doubt and back and forth on what's going on and what we should focus on. Something we seem to lack is product vision. We're all looking at the here and now a lot. And because of that, it's going back and forth and we're having a hard time to look ahead further than a month. As the product guy of the company, I feel like I should be the one taking ownership of this product vision, trying to build a roadmap and somehow sticking to it, or at least nudging into the right direction in a controlled manner. Of course, I have some vision in my mind, but that shifts regularly and I'm more impulsive than planning oriented. Therefore, I'm looking for resources to help me building and managing our company's product vision. I hope my problem is recognizable and you can point me towards some resources or share some experiences that can shine new light on my problem. From Ketchup. Ketchup? Ketchup. Ketchup, lovely name. <laughs> it is a good name. My Reddit handle. Yeah. <laughs> it's nowhere near as exciting as these. Catch self. um that's a that's a really interesting question i i um i'm quite passionate about this question i think um as the product guy in vigo um i think it's super important to understand where you want the product to go longer term because if you don't do that if you don't know that in your mind and if you can't articulate that everyone is going to struggle around you. But it's not just going to be in terms of prioritization, it's going to be pricing strategy, it's going to be marketing, it's going to, you know, it impacts absolutely everything that you do, um, especially for product-led organizations. Um, so for me, Joel, I think this person, Ketchup, needs to really take take a step back and have a think as to what they want to achieve longer term. And, you know, there's so many fancy frameworks to do that, but they all come down to very similar set of things, which is, what is your longer term goal and how do you think you want to get there? But as you think about your longer term goal, why is that your longer term goal? How have you thought about that as a goal? So, you know, we, we do fancy things like we look at total addressable market, um, you know, the market size, what the competitors are doing, what your users are saying. But there also needs to be an element of business thinking there, right? Like, you know, where do we see the market that is something that we can actually target that isn't going to shift from underneath us that, you know, that we can actually go after. So, you know, Vigo, for example, looks at universities and we sell to universities. If we suddenly shifted to selling to different types of institutions, that would be a significant shift for us. And we would need to think about that in terms of not only our marketing, not only our size of market, but also what the product does. So, I think for me, and we've done this recently, you know, in Vigo is, is to take a step back and think about what do you want your product to be longer term and articulate that. 
however that is, right? That could be a picture, it could be a video, it could be some words, but just think about what you want um, the product to be. And it comes down to legacy, I think, a little bit as well, right? Like if you think about something like, you know, I hate always going to the big names, but if you think about Google, they want to, you know, they they somehow want to get the world's information and they want to, you know, categorize it and make it accessible and make it interesting so that everyone can kind of get that um, at their fingertips. And I think something like that is how ambitious you need to be when you're trying to excite people and inspire people and kind of lead the team. And then kind of the day to day, you know, well, this is how we think we're going to get there comes comes into that. So that's kind of my initial reaction, I guess. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think, you know, catch up. This is a hard space to be. be. Being the product guy and not really knowing how to set a product strategy is is challenging. And you're not alone. I, when I took over the product function of my business, it was, it felt impossible, you know, like because for, for years we had just built in the exact same manner as this. I think it's really normal for, for startups to build in this kind of manner, especially if it's your first business, which is just, this is important now. We have this opportunity. We spoke to this person. Like this all seems the most important. And when you don't have a larger strategy or a larger vision or, or a larger understanding of where you want to be, it's impossible to compare a client telling you something that's important to them right now against something like that. So I, I get it. First thing is just, I think you need a coach or a mentor, someone external that can help you understand this because working out internally can be very challenging. Uh, I, I've had a product coach myself for, for years now and I've found it so valuable of, of actually having someone teach me how to go from being this disorganized in the moment firefighting kind of product to, to becoming organized and, and moving forward with intention towards you know a planned future. So definitely get external help. You don't have to work this out on your own. Co- coaching can, can be super valuable and it sounds like you guys have been around for a while. You have a little bit of a team. I think you might have some funding that you would definitely get the value out of having a coach um, or a good mentor. Uh, next, if you're looking for resources, I can't recommend Build by Tony Fidel enough. That's just an amazing book. Like it, it talks a little bit about product, but it'll tell you about running a business more holistically, which is really good. So there are different elements in that book that will help. But but I agree, you know, with everything you're saying, Suf. Like you, you do need to get clearer, but... I think, you know, if I, if I to break that down a little bit more tactically is that you need to understand what you want your company to achieve. Look forward one year, two year, five years, 10 years and have a crack. Like what is this big problem you're trying to solve? And it doesn't have to be right because your product vision and your product strategy will continue to shift. Sylf and I did ours really comprehensively five months ago and we've just really comprehensively done it again. And that's because new information comes in all the time. The market changes. But you just have to start to make some calls. You have to understand what does the company want to do and then how does your product make that possible? And then you start to have a product vision. You start to understand what are the kind of key pillars that make sense for this. So we're going to focus on these four things in total for whatever your company is. And then and then from there, when you understand who your client is and you understand where you're trying to go and what trying to business you're trying to build, the product strategy starts to come a bit easier. Then start to look forward at a bit of a roadmap. And... and I think, you know, in the early days, I used to think of roadmaps as a much more concrete piece of information, but they're not. Roadmaps are are very dynamic and variable. So I I say this all the time, but I think about products like a weather forecast. You know, when you look at the weather for tomorrow, whatever the weather says, it's 
it's probably correct. Not definitely, but it's probably correct. When you look a week out, you know, it's pretty, you know, it probably will rain next weekend. If you look at six months out, you just know that winter's colder and summer is hotter. And that's all the confidence you have. And that's the same way we look at our roadmap. You know, what's coming up in the next sprint or two? We're pretty confident that those things will get done. Not definitely, but pretty confident. If we look further out to three months and six months, we're getting a lot less confident. We know that these areas and these kind of projects are, are important to us. So I think you need, to, you need to spend some time understanding where you want to go as a company. Then you need to start to actually develop a product strategy and a product roadmap. And, and that can be simple. You know, It can just be a product vision, which is a sentence. We want to be the X for Y. And then start to understand the key pillars you know, that are going to help your clients. Who are your customers? What do they want? What value provided them? And how are you going to build that best? What are the key three to five things that focus on that? And then start to do your roadmap. But just, just know that it doesn't have to be perfect and it won't be perfect. It's just what you know right now to be true. And then update and iterate as you go. And, and I wouldn't say that also being the product guy means it's all on you. You have a team and you have founders. So your, your team and your founders should help with this too. You know, they, they should be helping shape this because it sounds like you're all talking to customers and potential clients like that. You've all got information, but you should be leading the charge. Absolutely. So this is on you. You should get external help um, and, and get something down and, and then try and hold to that, but iterate when you have new information. Yeah, and I think, I think, Joel, you made some really good points there. I think the first one is don't worry that it's going to be wrong because it will be wrong. But it's yeah. place. Like it's really important to have something, right, that you can articulate even if it's incorrect and it probably will be. I think the second thing just to really, really emphasize is you don't have to do this in isolation, but you definitely should be doing it with your customers. Like you should be thinking about them as you're doing it. And if you don't have the answer to something, you should be going and finding that answer. Like, you know, all of these product strategy frameworks, all of the questions they're asking, it's your job to go, you know, with your team, go find that information out because it's all about kind of understanding what they want and how that shapes your business. Um, you know, I've seen too many product strategies done in isolation without thinking about users, not even having spoken to anyone. And it blows my mind. And the final thing I'd say is, um, you know, if you think about corporations and, and kind of, you know, I used to work at IBM, these large corporate corporations, they, they set their strategies for three to five years, right? And then they kind of set and forget. Sometimes they come back to it, you know, in a, in a town hall, but most of the time we're like, ah, oh, yeah, we're, we're pivoting towards cloud. You know, it's, it's very like generic stuff. And I think with a product strategy, think of it as a one-year thing, typically. Like, it's not going to be the same in two years, especially for kind of small to medium-sized businesses. You're not going to have, as you said, the visibility to see two to three years out. In two to three years, you, you know, the entire market may have changed. So I think thinking of it as, okay, this is what we want to do over the next year or two. But the company mission is also really important here, right? So your product vision sits under the mission of the company. Sometimes in very small organizations, it can be the same thing, but sometimes it's not. And it's okay because the mission can be something that is kind of never ending. That's the why, right? That's the why of why you exist in the first place. While the vision is a little bit more bridging that gap between how you're going to get to that why. Like how are you actually going to build something meaningful that's going to get you to that why? So I think that's kind of really important to understand. And you know, as you said, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it and don't worry about being wrong. Like really take the pressure off. Yeah. One thing you just made me think of is that in the early days, like, you know, pre-clients or, or you know, you've just got a couple, 
you're not even going to have the same structure that, that we have in our business right now as, as Suf and I talk about product. Like it, you need to have even more flexibility and dynamism in, in, in that much smaller, smaller, earlier stage of the business. And that's because you're constantly learning. But in those stages, your product strategy can be about experimentation, you know, constantly building new experiments, like big experiments. Maybe that's your whole focus, but it's experiments to achieve a certain outcome. Your, your product vision is to, again, you know, achieve X for Y or whatever it's going to be. You, you know who your client is and you think they're going to get X kind of value. Build a bunch of experiments. That's fine for a strategy. Just write down the 15 things you're going to experiment with. You know, with, with Suf and I, we've done a lot of experiments now. So I'd say like 60, 70% of our roadmap is building on ideas we, we know are going to work. We still build them in an iterative way and the other 30% is experiment. So there's still always experiment and that's part of the strategy. You know, AI is really important to us right now. So a lot of our experiments around AI, there's less structure on that part of the roadmap, but we still know the kind of value we're trying to create with that as a tool. So experiment, that can be okay. So it's okay to constantly change. It's okay to be really iterative. Um, but you do need to understand what the yeah. bigger value is that you're creating in the world and who you're doing it for. Uh, and then, you know, note down what you th- think the next three months or one month will look like to, to begin with, to be honest. But just start somewhere and, and get better and, and you're right, hold against that. And the last thing I would say on this, on my side, is just because you have a product strategy and a product roadmap doesn't mean it's an effective tool. Yeah. Don't just have one and then just put it on the shelf. It needs to be a tool that you're regularly and like maniacally coming back to. You need to be talking about it nonstop. You need to talk about this vision and roadmap so much it makes you feel sick. When Swift first came into the business, there was a strategy that I'd implemented and, and the, the name of the strategy, I'd call it BAR90, which was a just an acronym for, for stuff that was important internally. But I said BAR90 like 10 million times. I never want to say BAR90 again in my life, but everyone knew this is the thing, okay? All the key pillars are underneath this strategy and they keep coming back to it. So you need to talk about this and communicate it like all the time because uh, people can just forget about it. You know, everyone's job is the most important thing to them. So you need to constantly remind them of what they're building for as well. So once you build it, that's when the real work starts. Yeah, some some really good points. I, I think Joel, just one last thing on that is for a really small startup, you may not need a product strategy. Your product strategy could be exactly what you said, which is we don't have one yet and that's fine. All we're going to do is build stuff that people want to use and they do use. And how you measure success is your North Star metric of usage, right? Whatever usage looks like to you. Um, so I think you know that's also just kind of a caveat of different size businesses need different things. I would say that that's still an, an intentional strategy though. I don't think you can just you know, flop around in the wind. I, I think you need to decide here is who we are building for or even before that, we think these are our top three customers and these are their problems. Your strategy is to build to prove those things out. That's their strategy for the next three months. Here's what we're doing, but you need to know and there is an endpoint on that. And then once you get a piece of information, what's going to change your strategy as you move forward? So I do think it's really un- like really important that you understand what the mission and vision is of the company. And then from there, what, what the key focus areas are right now. And that's your product strategy. It, it, uh, but what you're saying is correct. It can be really simple or really comprehensive. For us, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, agreed. Well, we've, we've advised you, Ketchup. I hope that's, uh, I hope that's valuable. I, I think there's a lot of good information in there. Um, but definitely get a coach. Like getting a coach, I think, would be super valuable. And uh, that brings us to our last segment. Everyone's absolute favorite part of the show, plugs. So, uh, Suf, 
what's going on? What, what do you want to plug right now? Look, if anyone needs any uh, health tech advice, any uh, product consulting in the health tech space, um, or even just some introductions, um, you know, I'm in London. Uh, give me a shout. Let's go for a coffee. Um, yeah, and just, let's just chat. Love it. And how do they reach you? Uh, suf at orbit29.com or just jump on LinkedIn and find me. All right, I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Uh, and on my side, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, so whatever platform you're viewing or listening to this on, subscribe, follow, download, five stars, thumbs up, every good thing. And as I say every week, and I will continue to say every week, do it on your phone, get your partner's phone, get your parent's phone, get your friend's phone, do it on their phones as well. We love the support. And then thank you to everyone who writes in. We love your problems. We love your questions. We love seeing, you know, these really specific and, and like interesting problems going on in the world. Uh, if you've got them, send them through to podcast at joeldutrapani.com. And also, uh, if you want to talk through a problem you're going through, hit me up. Let's have a conversation. Uh, I'm also putting a booking link in my show notes too. So let's have a conversation. I, I love meeting you guys. Uh, I love meeting new people and talking about this kind of stuff. I'm obsessed with product and startups. I love those conversations. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Suf, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was maybe one of our friendlier conversations, which was good, but thank you for laughing and arguing with me today. Uh, it was a great conversation. This has been another episode of the Do As I Say, Not As I Did podcast. We'll see you all next week. Thank you, guys.